Hey, it's Drew here at Culture Wars. I want to give a very warm welcome to my audience. Let's not wait another minute to get into tonight's podcast. Whether it's academia, the entertainment industry, the lamestream media, religion, or politics, we will confront the left in all its totalitarianism here at Culture Wars. A preview of tonight's podcast. Me Too Terrorism, the religion of leftism, and the crackdown on free speech. All that and more on tonight's podcast. I want to begin by reading this post from uh, the American Spectator. Um... The title is The First Perfect Generation The Advantage of Wokeness You're Morally Superior to Everyone Who Has Ever Lived Um We are living in a time of history rejection The statue destroyers hate history Here's the problem with judging someone using a standard of perfection Perfection does not exist in individuals or in society. Um, I would just add here that... And this is the real audacity of this. Of people in 2020 judging our ancestors for their problems when we're not even holding ourselves to that highest standard and actually I I would even go a step further in my opinion the reason we're not holding ourselves to this standard of perfection Actually, the reason we're not accepting personal responsibility for our our problems at all is because we're trying to shift blame onto for our problems in 2020 onto our ancestors. Reading the post again. Um, they apparently consider themselves the first perfect generation in human history. Have they actually achieved perfection, or have they merely surpassed all previous levels of arrogance? The level of arrogance we're at... To use a biblical illustration, it's like the Pharisees. You know, to drive my point home, let me just read these verses from Matthew chapter 23, starting at verse uh, 3. Therefore, all that they tell you, do and observe. But do not do according to their deeds, for they say things and do not do them. It's like these leftists. They tell us, 
don't be racist. But then, they're getting ready to nominate a man that that makes racist statements to a black journalist to continue reading what Jesus said about the Pharisees. They tie up heavy burdens and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves are unwilling to move them with so much as a finger. But they do all their deeds to be noticed by men, for they broaden their phylacteries and lengthen the tassels of their garments. Shifting the blame for our problems in 2020 onto our ancestors is nothing for for race relations in this nation. But it will get you noticed by the mob. Alright, wait. I need a minute. Can someone PLEASE TELL ME WHAT'S WRONG WITH OUR f WITH OUR BALLLESS FECKLESS lead SO-CALLED LEADERS IN THIS COUNTRY CIVILIZATION IS BURNING ALL AROUND THEM AND THEY JUST SIT THERE LUXURIATING WHILE THE COUNTRYSIDE BURNS AROUND THEM I'M DONE BLOWING OFF STEAM and look, when their thugs aren't in the streets trying to burn our history, their quasi-academics are in the media trying to tarnish it. This next story I'm going to read from Real Clear Politics, I'm going to use to change um, and transition from transition to talking about the feminist movement. The headline for this story is CNN's Angela Rye, Thomas Jefferson, no better than R. Kelly. Patriarchal founding fathers are no heroes of mine. Now, in case you didn't know, she's your average racist leftist lawyer. I swear our country is infested with these types. I'll read the transcript of the interview and uh, I'll have my commentary after. Chris Cuomo says what George Washington did was wrong, but he was the father of the country and you have to see your history of where people were then. They were highly imperfect. This is an experiment. If you hold everybody to that standard, you'll have nobody and no buy-in on the minority uh, of the country cannot change what's wrong by itself. You need the majority to buy in. That's a big obstacle to getting white Americans, but non-white Americans also to say we've got to remake the heroes in America. Rye, I do believe that should be the charge. I do believe if right now we're in a society that has, just for example, talking about R. Kelly. R. Kelly has been canceled given this new term that exists on social media because of his predatory relationship with underage women women, rightfully so. 
Do you know who else had a predatory relationship with underage women? Thomas Jefferson. The question is, should we be celebrating and commemorating people who were that treacherous to whole groups of humans in this country? And I would argue no. So 41 of the 56 signers of the Declaration of Independence can talk about these truths that they hold as self-evident and then go to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But oh no, there is a large footnote. I wasn't considered human to them, so much so that the Dred Scott decision said so. So much so that we had to wait several years after the Declaration of Independence for the Emancipation Proclamation to even be signed. And I think that we have to have those types of grounding conversations. Chris, maybe it is that people will say they're s still my founding fathers. That alone, the patriarchal sentiment that exists in that, I think, also has to be reframed. Why aren't there any black women heroes on Mount Rushmore? Why can't even get Harriet Tubman on the $20 bill after it being agreed to in the Obama administration. We're not talking about the indigenous people whose land was stolen from right beneath their feet. Sitting Bull should be on Mount Rushmore. Crispus Attucks fighting in the American Revolution before he was even deemed human should be on Mount Rushmore. Frederick Douglass who really shaped the way Abraham Lincoln thought about slavery. Ah, uh, fine. So, the torrent of allegations, I don't have time to debunk all of them. You've got the, this is stolen land allegation. You've got the founding fathers were just a bunch of racist slave owners allegation. And look, some of her argument I honestly think is fair. We can have a discussion about um, building a monument to Frederick Douglass, but not while current monuments to Frederick Douglass are being destroyed and torn down by thugs. But I want to narrow in on her uh, argument that Thomas Jefferson was a predator. This is the way modern-day feminism which currently manifests itself as the Me Too movement, has to do things. It's their modus operandi. To fling allegations at men who, for one reason or another, aren't afforded to confront their accuser. And what a better opportunity than flinging hearsay at a man who's been dead for 200 years. I'm going to give my concise debunk of this, but if you want more info, I gotta give uh, credit to this, um, this uh, story from wallbuilders.com uh, and the the heading of the story is Thomas Jefferson and Sally Hemings, The Search for Truth. They debunk this as, at worst, hearsay, and 
at best, an unsubstantiated allegation. And it is thorough. They have footnotes. This isn't just their opinion. As they explain, there's three legs to this argument that Thomas Jefferson was a, a predator who slept with a slave girl named Sally Hemings. First, one of her sons alleges that Thomas Jefferson is his father. This has been straight up debunked. Uh, there was a DNA test done that showed, that proved there's no Jeffersonian DNA in his heritage. Second, there's this journalist back in the day named James T. Callender. He resided in Britain and he penned some insightful rhetoric against the British governmental system. He was prosecuted and laid off. See, there's nothing new under the sun. They had cancel culture back then. Thomas Jefferson befriended and pitied him and brought him to the United States. Thomas Jefferson was currently a politician in the Anti-Federalist Party. So Calendar got a job um, with one of the Anti-Federalist papers and resumed his unsubstantiated journalism. He got in trouble because him and other journalists were prosecuted for their rhetoric against the Federalist Party who was in power during this period. During this period also he had penned some personal letters to Thomas Jefferson and Thomas Jefferson never responded. Him and other anti-federalist journalists were incarcerated and charged $200 fines. When Jefferson was president, he pardoned all these journalists and commanded that all of their fines were paid back. But because of complications with the local police where Calendar was incarcerated, they, they never paid back his fine. Calendar took this personally and got a job with one of the Federalist Party papers. At some point, Sally Hemings, the slave girl that purportedly Jefferson slept with, her son, the one that I told you before, purportedly alleged that Thomas Jefferson was his dad. 
reported this to Calendar. Calendar then penned these unsubstantiated allegations against Jefferson. Practically all historians nowadays doubt Calendar's allegations and actually doubt is too weak of a word. After this Calendar became a drunk and ended up drowning in in a river. Number three. This is probably the only one that lends any credibility to this. About 1999, the journal Nature published a DNA study. This study drew blood to study the DNA of Sally Hemings' progeny. The results of this study are that all but her last child have no Jeffersonian DNA in their lineage. All that this demonstrates is that the child has the DNA of a Jeffersonian male, not that it was Thomas Jefferson. This Nature Journal immediately published this study with the title, Jefferson Fathered Slave's Last Child. This is so irresponsible. And the man who did this study had no integrity. When it, when inquired, when people inquired about why he titled the study this way, he passed the book to the journal and tried to allege it was their time constraints was the reason for the title. One of the men who runs Jefferson's estate immediately wrote statements. There were other Jeffersonian males near the estate that could have been the father especially Thomas Jefferson's brother, Randolph Jefferson, who is known to go to the slaves' rooms and, tr and entertain them, playing music on his instrument. By this point, though, the lamestream media had gotten all the titles they wanted out of it. So that's the story. There's no new facts. These are still just allegations. And for some reason, the Jefferson estate, with no new facts, has decided that Jefferson must have been the father of this child. 
and they've got exhibits about it and everything. Why does everybody always bow to the left when they haven't even won? I want to state one more thing. For those of you who are more liberal-leaning, I really want you to hear me on this. Even if Thomas Jefferson did father her kid, I don't care. No one is perfect. But this man did more to fight for the freedom of every race than this Angela Rye ever will do in her life. Okay. Okay, so, um, I want to welcome now, uh, I want to freeze the segment on so that I can welcome, uh, guest I'm going to interview. Um, it's actually my uncle. His name is Tim and he run he's uh has a online ministry which he has been uh he's had for seven years now. Um and you can find him at www.jesuscast.net. Um, so, welcome. All right, thanks. Thanks for having me. You are welcome. So, I have some, I have a list of questions I want to ask you. Okay. Um, so, um, first off, what inspired, I, oh, I should, I should, uh, uh, preface this by saying that, um, he's also a, uh, new author of a book that's coming out um, called The Battle for the Soul of America. Yep. That's true. So, I wanted to ask you, what inspired you to write this book first? Well, I think just every day seeing the news and seeing everything that's going on in our country with the rioting and the looting and just basically what I what I'm seeing is the disregard for law and order and just the way that that you know these groups that are out there like Antifa and Black Lives Matter how they're they're really not about black lives or helping right. anyone it's to me it seems like it's an all-out attack on our nation, on America, on what makes America 
great, which is God. And, and so right. in general, that's the inspiration behind the book is I really feel like we are at a crossroads in this country. And if we don't have God moving in our nation, we're, we're going to lose this country that we love so much. So I, I really feel like the battle is that intense right now. Right. Amen to that. <laughs> um, so, uh, me and my audience during this episode, we've been talking about some of these, uh, these hot button issues that you, um, brought up and have referenced. And, like, for example, we've been talking about the burning of our history that's been going on. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to ask you, what do you, what in your opinion is driving this destruction of history? Oh, that's a good question. And I think that what's driving it is people feel like if they can cancel out or erase history that then they can rewrite it the way they want to write it. And really, that's ridiculous because history is there for a reason, whether it's good or bad, for specific reasons. And, you know, to learn from the past and, and whatever. And if you just take it away or erase it, then you, you don't have that reference point anymore to go, okay, there was slavery in our country, but we overcame that. And this is how we did it. And, and the history shows that. But if you take a pick and choose what history you want, it's really not a true picture of what history is. So I think it's to cancel out Christianity, number one. I really think the battle, if you really take it into the depths of what it is, it is a battle against Christ, the church, and the gospel. And... Part of that is to take away even that history, if they could. Take away our Bible, take away, take God out of everything, and that's their end game, I think. Right, and I think, too, that's a very good point, because I think it's like, by trying to remove our, 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 uh, our imperfections from our history, it almost seems like they're trying to remove our need for a savior. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So we've been we've been talking about this uh, this one story too about Thomas Jefferson and how they've been trying to uh, paint him as sort of a. Uh, uh, I guess you could call a, a sexual predator oh. <laughs> having possibly had children with a slave, which is a lot of it's bogus, you know, hearsay from years and years ago. But I just I kind of wanted to ask you on this. What is the is the point of this modern day feminist movement? You know, 
that's going around right now. And this Me Too. Well, I think what this is, it, it all, if you look at it from the standpoint of, again, canceling out a culture. And, you know, Me Too was this movement that wanted to come along and just make men out to be monsters, regardless of any checking or background or even knowing all the facts, just to run with it. Okay, this person's accused of something. And, and, and so it was really an unfair movement in the beginning because it really incriminated people without the facts. And some people actually have been exonerated after the fact, but their careers are ruined. Right. So I think it's, it's to ruin people. But I also think that, you know, like with the feminist movement, is they're trying to, you know, basically gain power and in a way that puts the male in a bad light, which is ridiculous because not all men are evil or wicked, just like not all women are evil and wicked. So it's this really incredible thing that they're doing to try to, you know, gain and grab power. Right. And and so, but it all ties into the LGBT and everything, the anth, anth, um, atheism, all of these things are all rooted together. Right. I think that's a... An important point that not a lot of people seem to want to acknowledge is that a lot of these ideologies are tied together. Yeah. I think they are, for sure. And I I, I wanted to get your perspective on this, too. I, I think that the modern-day feminist movement doesn't necessarily... It's like with a lot of these movements, I think it doesn't really help women, the people that it purports to help either. Well, yeah, it's the same argument with women that are pro-choice that say they're doing it to, you know, help women by murdering innocent children. I don't understand how that ties together, how you're empowering women by letting them, you know, murder their own child, but... Right. It's so yeah. Empowering women. If you if you look at it from even from a biblical standpoint, in in going back to Judaism, even you see women had prominent positions. Right. They, they weren't looked down upon by Christians or God or anything like that. I think in Christianity, women have this. They have an empowerment. Right. Right. And and so it's all how you look at it, but the world. This this is a again it's a false ideology, right? That's the thing. So much of it is built on falsehood. Um, that brings me to another point. This this Marxism that is is what a lot of this is. I do you think that this has become because we know that our culture is kind of moved away from God in so many areas. Do you mm -hmm. think this Marxism has become a religion for so many people? Oh, absolutely. 
it is something that has been brewing obviously for a long time i mean i just watched and from 1969 a, a film writer who who did a movie about how, uh, the communist manifesto and all of that and he talks about it you know how there is a plot back then to take over america and all the things that were in that movie are things that are actually happening now right with the bullying and manipulation see marxism you know basically it's a debunked ideology it's just like communism and which is a form of marxism obviously and then you have socialism which all wraps all together and they're all intertwined and in, in how they work but the whole thing is, these have all been debunked and failed ideas. They haven't worked anywhere. I mean, look at Russia. Look at you know Venezuela. Look at China. Look right. at Cuba. These are all failed systems. And it always, what it is, is when you have too much government, then you're always going to have usurping over people and all of that. But... Besides all that, you asked me if Marxism is a religion, and I think that's an important point. Because it's not just an idea, right? It is right. something that these young people especially, and this is how they work. They indoctrinate. Right. It's indoctrination. It starts at the school level, and then it gets into the university level. And these kids are coming home from college, and they're, and they're communists. Right. And so... It is a new religion for them because they feel like it's deep. And that's what led me to write the book because you see this on the streets. You see this anger, this mob mentality, this animosity towards Christians and towards God and towards anything that is family. Right. Friendly or patriotic. Right. It's almost like, you know, they hate America. Right. Um, also, I, I wanted to get your perspective on this, this, so we have the idea of freedom of speech, the right, our first amendment, right, that we're kind of defending right now, we're defending it from uh, the government and from these tech companies and mm -hmm. even from the the mob themselves who wants to cancel everyone and i just wanted to know does this idea the right of freedom of speech have a uh basis in biblical thought yes because when you go back to the founding fathers and the whole reason that america was was established was for that point of being able to be free is to be able to have your own mind and your own opinion and be able to speak it without the fear of tyranny or being you know canceled or shot down or imprisoned or whatever like in in this in the cold war soviet union days right so i think from a biblical perspective it is, it is uh, all important because God created us in his image. And when we think about creation, what did, what did he create us to be? 
for the free will. Right. And free will leads to free speech. What right. Satan wants to do is restrict free will and enslave people into an ideology that that they're bound to. And so that's what these ideas, and they're all, you know, Islam, um, Black Lives Matter, Antifa, all of these socialistic kind of thoughts, what is their end goal? To silence. Right. And, it, and then when it comes to the church, that's where this battle is so important. And that's why I wrote this book is because if the church doesn't stand up for freedom of speech and for that, then we're going to be canceled and we're going to be shut down and then we're not going to have free speech anymore and that's going to be gone. Or, you know, and that don't, you know, people think that can't happen in America, but wait a second, it happened in China. It happened, you know, in other places in the world. Right. Why are we thinking we're any different if we just lay down? But the good thing about America is there's still a lot of God-fearing people. Right. That I don't think are going to allow this cancel culture to win out. And But it just makes me wonder why people are so, and, and so many Christians are just hiding their heads under the, under the ground and they're not really you know even in this battle at all and it, it makes me wonder how can you be a christian and not be in this battle right yeah that's that's some good points there i think that that uh if we lose the ability to freely speak you know we lose that ability to get truth out there um is now I I ask this question because like you brought up before there's a lot of young people mm -hmm. that are in a lot of this these movements now and I think this is a good way to to because I think there's a lot of young people who are probably confused too so, I wanted you to explain, is Marxism compatible with Christianity? And if not, why not? Well, no, because Marxism teaches that, you know, there are classes of people that are either poor, rich, wealthy, whatever. And so it breaks everything down into classifications of people where it... In the Bible, we're not called as classes. We're called to be one in Jesus Christ. And and so there's this idea that that uh, Marxism will bring equality. Every, everybody will be equal. There won't be rich and wealthy, and there won't be, you know, other, other classes. So right. it's this whole idea that it's, it's like a utopia, but it's it's... It, it's nothing more than a than a, a facade, because what happens is, and it's happened everywhere that it's been practiced, is that you can't trust human nature. Right. You can't trust humans to care for people and love people and treat people in the right way. Now, in the Bible, when there was communes or community living, they did have everything equal. But in that scenario, 
everybody provided right for the table for the household it wasn't like it was a uh, government handouts you know <laughs> or whatever right. so there's a big difference but see the, the reason that young people are attracted to it is because they think that they're not going to have to work hard yeah which capitalism you know is basically the entrepreneur spirit, which which you work hard, you can make as much money as you want, you can have the best life you can have. But this idea that attracts young people is, well, I don't have to work hard, and I'm still going to get enough to live on. I don't have to worry about my bills. I don't have to worry about. But what they don't understand is that it's a corrupt system from the from the inside out, and it doesn't work. It's not compatible with with Christianity. Because that what they try to do is they try to package it to sound good. Right. But when you dissect it, and when you look at it, how it has ruined civilizations, you know, Lenin, you know, and, and, and his ideas and his philosophies, and you get down to Karl Marx and his ridiculous ideas, it just doesn't work. And so these young people that are falling for it, they have to be. It's an ideology. It's a it's a mindset that it's almost like brainwashing. They're going to have to be, you know, uh, unbrainwashed, so to speak. Right. I think in order to come out from underneath it, it's like a cult almost. It really is. It it, it really is, and I think that's kind of where it's like if you have to brainwash people to buy into your ideology. I feel like you know there's something wrong with it, you know? Exactly. And like you said, that's the problem. It's been disproven everywhere it's been tried, so they have to brainwash people into it. Well, it's kind of like if you're trusting the government for everything, then sooner or later the government is going to expect something of you. Yeah, that's a good point, too, because it's like the government does expect something at, at some point, and it's like, that's where, because we live in a fallen world, the government, it, it doesn't have pure motives, you know? Right. Because in China, you get, you know, leaders are making all the money while the peasants are working for a bowl of rice right and that's that's the idea is is that power goes to the top and then and then those that are in the you know regular rotation of building the things that are being built and they're getting they're like rats that are getting con conditioned to having that bowl of rice, and then they never see anything beyond that. I remember when the Olympics was going on in China, and they were interviewing people that lived there, and they were just not even, they weren't even doing an investigation. They were just talking about, you know, things like, oh, I can't wait to, so that because of the Olympics we're getting more money, maybe I'll get to have an extra bowl of rice. Right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> right. But it's like, you know, if that's what people want, or, you know, if they're giving you the money, then they get to tell you what books to read. 
Right. They're going to tell you what you can and cannot read. And that's what happened in Russia. And people were sent to prison for books. Right. So this is what people want. That's what they get to look forward to. And I, I think that... I think that at its root, a lot of the problem with this is that it doesn't take into account that we live in a fallen world, you know? Yep. Because I think Marx, when he talked about the government, ultimately, there being no need for government anymore at some point, that was a foolish idea. I mean, as long as we live on a fallen world, that there will never be a point when you, there's no need for government. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, in my opinion, where there there is a imbalance, and America stands as one of the true um, freedom countries because of that. I mean, we allow people that we don't agree with to have a voice. Right. You know, and that's part of the freedom of speech, you know. and But at the same time, I tell people this, and they, they look at me and go, well, that's not fair. <laughs> well, listen, the point is the United States of America was founded on Christianity. Whether people want to, you know, it's not pie in the sky. That's reality. We have the documentation to prove that. Right. So it's not like it was created to be a Muslim country or... A Buddhist country. This is a Christian country based on the founders of this nation. Right. And and so there is going to be a predominant theme throughout this country. And so if we want to have a major scene, we're going to have a major scene. And, right. you know, people want to say, well, I'm going to have a devil scene. No, you don't get to have your devil scene because this country was not founded on demonism. Yeah. So I think there is something we have to fight. We have to fight. You know? Oh, yeah, definitely. And there's too much of this letting these other things in, you know, and pretty soon America no longer has an identity. Right. <clears throat> and that's where our founders talked about freedom, but they also talked about morality. They said you couldn't, yes. you couldn't have true freedom without morality. And I think we've kind of lost that. We just have this idea that freedom is just do whatever you want nowadays. Yeah, Patrick Henry, one of the great founders, said that America wasn't created to be a religious country, but a Christian country. He even dissected the difference between religiosity right. and true Christianity. I mean, that's pretty impressive, you know. Yeah. That's he, he made that statement, and he's one of the important founders of the Constitution. So I think that, you know, what the problem is, is people are trying to, like, like you asked me about, you know, the history. You can't change that, because if you right. change that, then America will cease to be America, right? And, and it'll be an identity crisis you know they're trying to make america into a multi-faceted religious country and it can't be right and i think that i've i've said this before it's like i 
this isn't really politics as usual because it's like we're not even just disagreeing over how to how, right. to, how to run a country. Right. It's like half the people just want to destroy it. Yes. Exactly, you're right. It's not like, you know, we're disagreeing on what money should be used for this bill or that bill. Or like you said, normal politics, which we disagree, right? Right. This is the, this is, these are foundational issues. Yeah. And that's not, you know, something that we can just sit back and, and let happen. We have to fight, you know. They fought in the first revolution of this country against the British who were trying to, you know, you know, enslave them in, in tyranny in the civilizations, in the, you know, in the colonies. If they, if they would have sat back, we'd be owned by, by the British now instead right. of being our own country. But the same is true now. The epic battle that we're in, we can't allow... Bullies, manipulative mobs, and people that have a Marxist, socialist agenda to take over our country. Right. That's the battle for the soul of America right there. That's the book. Right. And that that's really good because I think... I like how you tie it into the founding, too, because it's like a lot of our our founders and the people that first came over here, you know, they wanted, they wanted to be able to worship God in the way that they knew was right. And I think, I think we have that same fight in some ways because I think Marxists just don't want they they want this competing religious system of almost like no god or right self as the god that's so important and another question i had is kind of tying into all that is do you think that the majority of pastors in this country are right now are courageous enough to fight this fight well i think that's part of the problem to be honest with you because there are a lot of pastors that are awoken to this and they're starting to speak out right but unfortunately a good deal of pastors are playing the i don't want to be involved game right. which is dangerous because we, we, we're we involved whether we want to be or not. The right. fact that we live in this country, this nation, and this is a nation of laws. It's a nation. It's not just Christian nation. It is a nation of laws. There is a government. There is a, you know, a parliamentary aspect to the country that's part and parcel to everything that we are. But the problem is what happened over the years is pastors and Christians decided that they were going to stay out of politics because they were tax exempt and they didn't want to, you know, get into, you know, making judgment calls from the pulpit because they could lose their tax exempt status. And there's a whole lot of, of, of that that was involved in this. Right. But now it's not, 
it's different now than it was then because now we have they're pulling at the very heart core of the nation right and they're trying to host, hospital take it over so now it's not like this is like wartime yeah you know what i mean like it's a different spirit oh, yeah. than just a regular political thing where okay we lose the presidency but we still have good people on either side that aren't going to let our country go into the hands of, of socialists we can't say that anymore right the left is completely crazy yeah social you know bernie sanders and his crazy ideas have gone mainstream which i never thought that would happen right it, it's like you can't even count on even regular democrats anymore it's like the Marxists have just overtaken their oh, party. Yeah. Well, let me just give you one example. A guy that I know on Facebook, and I'm not going to say his name. He's a good guy. I like him. He's a good Christian. Right. But he wrote something, and it and it awoke me to something. I feel like this is an attitude of a lot of pastors and leaders. He said he was reading a scripture, and it provoked him to say that we need to pray for who becomes our president. And we need to, you know, have prayer for that. And we need to make sure we have God's leading. No, no, no. We're beyond that. I mean, there, there is no choice here. You right. know, you know, your choice is Joe Biden, which is the Manchurian candidate, by the way, who, right. who is a puppet to the left and will say whatever he wants to say. I'll give you a case in point. He says in the preliminary, in the primaries, that he's against fracking. Right. He's going to do away with fracking. And today he's in Pittsburgh, a fracking right. community. And he says, no, he's not going to do away with fracking. Right. Well, which is it? Right. So Joe Biden will say anything and do anything to get elected. I think the American people are seeing that. But, but the point is, there is no choice. It's Trump or no one else. I'm sorry, you might not like the guy. He might not be your first choice. But he is, if you're a Christian, in my opinion, and I think this is where I differ from a lot of pastors, is there is no other choice. Right. I, Trump is it. I've been thinking that so much, too. It's like, I don't, at least this year, I don't see, you know, it's like, you can hate on whatever you want about Trump, but I just don't. I don't know. I don't see there being any other options as far as, you know, it's just like, I don't know. I mean, it's just, well, there's nobody else that's going to even stand up for exactly. anything. I mean, Trump's proven that he will stand up for the Christians. Right. I mean, let's just look at his record. He attends the pro-life rallies. Right. He's not afraid to do that. The only president that has done that. Right. He's repealed tons of regulations that have restricted churches. Right. He fought for the uh, the rights of Christians when it comes to, you know, um, like convalescence. Um, not convalescent. Um, like not having to... You use healthcare to support 
gay like examples of gay LGBT. He's he's very straightforward when it comes to Christians and and helping Christians. And I think, but the biggest thing is he sees the battle right. of what's happening, and he's aware of it. And and I think that that says it all for me because. He might not be perfect, polished. He might not always speak the right way. And I know he makes mistakes. But he's the only one that's going to stand in the way between us and socialism. Right. And I, you know, I, I, there's this thing that I hear a lot of Christians have used in the past to kind of like excuse especially pastors to not get involved in politics and I wanted to get your take on this too is they always say that you can't legislate morality but I just don't find that statement to be true you know mm -hmm. like I think that legislation laws ultimately are going to be based in one form one system of morality or another so i just i don't see that as being true you know what i mean yeah absolutely well you go back to the old testament and you read through deuteronomy and numbers and, and, and leviticus and what do you see you see laws right that are established even way back then and when you look at those laws so you have the Ten Commandments, but then on top of that, you have all the ceremonial laws. You have, you know, relationship laws. I right. mean, God pretty much laid it out for them how he wanted them to live, right? Right. And when you look at those laws, they're amazing. The wisdom of them, the right. morality of those laws. There was not a morality of human beings that could have wrote that morality other than there's a God that has a higher standard. Right. And so when I think of that, and I look at, you know, a government, and again, it goes back to the foundation of this country. You know, if America wasn't founded on the Bible, if it wasn't founded on Christian principles, who say it was just like every other nation, then maybe this doesn't hold as much water. But when you look at the foundation of this whole thing, that's where, in my opinion, it changes everything. Right. I think that's that's a very good point. If you're, if you, if we've organized ourselves as a Christian nation from our founding, I think we have an obligation to make laws that are based on a Christian ethic because yeah, that's where we get our foundation from is Christianity. So right. Our, our laws should be based in that, you know? So, yeah, those are all good points. Well, there's one thing that I said in my book that I think is, it really hits on this. But in Scotland, for example, Scotland was in a similar situation. They wanted to be free from Britain, just like the United States. Right. But with Scotland, there was something that was happening. They had a, they had a series of kings that were kind of sub, sub, uh, servants of, of England. And they were actually 
oppressing the Scots in order to get money and handouts. Right. So that they could still be under English tyranny. Right. And so you had one king that rose up under the guidance of William Lawson and and Robert Bruce who were wanting to be free. And they talked this new young king into joining them. He did. He joined them. But then in the end, he ended up going back to the old king. The old king talked him, you know, out of fighting. He was a lukewarm, kind of reminds me of the lukewarm ministry. Right. That's compromised. Yeah. That's in bed with the world, right? Right. And so he just kind of said, well, you know, maybe you gotta you got to keep the peace with the English and with the Scots. Maybe you can create some kind of a middle uh, compromise. And so the, that's what the king did. And then they ended up, it was years later that they actually won their freedom. And that king actually led them to that victory. But he had to go through some stuff. This is how I see the church. Right. It's compromised. Yeah. It's weak. Definitely. And, and it's tepid. It doesn't have that, you know, it's that liberal, liberalism and worldliness has gotten into the church. Yeah. And it's compromised it. So people like you and I that are outspoken about what's happening, we see it. We see it clearly. We're considered to them radicals. Yeah. We're like radicals. (laughs) We're crazy radicals, you know. But you see that they've made compromises with these other groups, with LGBT. Right. That's the first thing, you know. Like Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A stood out and they said, we're not going to bow. Right. And then eventually they did. Money and, and power won out. Right. And it makes you sick. Oh, because people have to stand. I was thinking about this today. I was thinking about uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Yeah. How they weren't willing to bow to the king. Yeah. And they were thrown in the fiery furnace. Yeah. I was thinking about courage. Yeah. And how we have to have courage. Because the Lord may let us go through some things. I don't know. I'm hoping right. that Trump gets reelected. Right. But if he doesn't, we're going to go through some things. Yeah. Persecution-wise, the church is going to lose a lot. Yeah. And we think we've already lost some things, and we did. We lost, you know, abortion. We mm. lost prayer. And, you know, in schools. We've lost a lot of things because we weren't willing to fight. Right. And I think that we can't look at this and go... America is just up for grabs. No, America is not up for grabs. Right. We have to be willing. Uh, <laughs> we have to be willing to let the Lord, you know, right. keep us on that straight and narrow. If we don't, we're going to lose it. Right. Well, this has been a good, yeah. a good conversation definitely i enjoyed it i so i wanted to make sure people know they can find you at www.jesuscast.net correct um you have ministry there you do all kinds of neat yep um sunday wednesday fridays we do a live service 
and you know it's Detroit time so you know look us up and we'll have information about my book on there too um, it's a regular website it has we have a live chat ministry that we're going to start up in in the fall we're going to go back to doing like uh, the old-fashioned cool. chat yeah so we're going to try to get a lot of you know we have um we're hooked up to a another site that allows like random people to come in and we get like young people that are coming into our bible studies now right and we're witnessing and so it's really cool and, and so yeah www.jesuscast.net and the book if you want to get it is battle for the soul of america yep and that'll be out in a couple weeks and like i said if you go to the website you can um i'll put something up there this week where they can actually uh get information on how to get the book <laughs> cool thank you it's also in video form so if anybody wanted to get the videos we can give them a link oh nice yep so that's pretty much what's going on cool thank you for coming out bro. yeah i'll have to have you come on my website and i'll interview you yeah for your podcast and we'll do it on video yeah all right well thanks for having me yeah Thanks for coming on. All right. Well, that was a fine interview. Not too shabby for my first interview, if I don't say so myself. So, I'm sorry, but I didn't get to all the segments I wanted to. Um in this episode but I think I'm gonna cut it now but before that I have some announcements so for the Christians for my brethren and sisters out there I just want to say I'm sorry for the language and some of the language in the last episode I try to keep this um, podcast as family friendly as possible but I get upset sometimes over what's going on just like you so sorry about that and a message to my audience so I'm aware that not all of you in my audience are conservative like I am and don't always agree with me but I just wish to say that I appreciate you hearing me out and being in my audience and to give you some background on my inspiration for this podcast and I should preface this by saying the segments of this podcast won't always be about political politics 
that will always be part of it because it's an area of interest to me and politics is a big part of culture but sometimes it'll be history sometimes it'll be um philosophy sometimes it'll be theology but I really believe God led me to create and do this podcast especially for young people because our culture and even the culture of the church is becoming more and more worldly and I it I believe God said to me it's because there's so much truth that isn't being taught so this is just a small step on my part and anyways so you can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts and please subscribe so you'll be notified when I do new episodes and if you haven't leave it a five star review and if you guys want to be involved if you guys have um like ideas for topics you'd like me to um discuss or comments or questions uh please email me at uh d-r-e-w-s-g-e-n-e-r-a-l-a-c-c-28 gmail.com um and uh that's all till next time